Welcome back to Ballin' Ain't a Hobby. This is the weekly wrap-up. First things first, though, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Ain't a Hobby. We got some good stuff, some good highlights, just weekly wrap-ups on stuff going around the league, stats, and anything that we're not covering is definitely going to be on there, so give it a follow. And we're going to get right into it. The first thing that's sticking out early in the season, much like last year and already this year is COVID. It's a big hit that KD's out. Top three player in the league easily. And for him to be out, blow up the Nets early season success. How is the NBA going to deal with this? The NFL, they had off days where they can prolong not canceling games. The NBA doesn't have that luxury. They they barely have time to practice. How are they going to not cancel games? Joe, I mean, what do you think? At, at what point do you just say, we got to cancel this game, we got to protect the players, or do you keep it under the wraps? That is definitely the question, man. I, I think the at the league, Adam Silver, they're definitely considering all possibilities. And to just cancel a game, I'm sure that's they don't want to do that. So I, I think if they have to throw five to six G League guys out there, I think that's that's going to be the plan. But losing someone like Kevin Durant, I mean, that's that's a big blow for the product. It's and it's also I mean we we totally have egg on our face as as a podcast we all are super high on the Nets so to see didn't we go down have that affect their win loss record pretty much immediately and then now to lose Kevin Durant the Nets are in some trouble man they're they're gonna have to figure out a way to adapt without two of their obviously best offensive weapons and yeah I, I think for Adam Silver it's it's really just gonna be a matter of are we willing to put out a product with no stars on the court and. I don't know. I, I think they have to try and they have to go as much as they can just based on what the NFL did because at the end of the day, this is a business. They need to make money. But, yeah, it's it's going to continue to affect the ratings. The more marquee athletes, the more big-name players are out. So I, I'm, I'm concerned as a fan, but at the same time, I want to watch the basketball. So even if it's the subpar athletes, I, I will still follow it. I will still watch. I, what do you think, Brandon? So I think we were – spoiled with the bubble honestly like I don't think we you know going into the bubble last year we thought like we were a little worried how it was gonna work out and it ended up working out great no cases happened got through like three months of basketball nothing went wrong and now here we are you know back in the real world where teams are traveling and it's clearly shown that it's harder to you know work this out barely into the season already got COVID cases the Rockets were hit the first week before any games I think, you know, this is going to be something that Adam Silver is going to have to deal with. I don't think they're going to want to do it. I think the easiest solution would be to just, you know, if you have to cancel one game, just cancel one game for every other team at the end of the season and allow the teams to catch up. Obviously, that's going to lose revenue for the league. I don't think they're going to want to do that. But obviously, you can't do double headers. But maybe like in the off days, you could try to squeeze games in. This is definitely going to be tough for the league to figure out. I definitely don't envy them having to do this, but uh, yeah, it's going to be tough for the Nets at least for the next four days. For sure for the Nets, and especially right now, this Dinwiddie injury kind of, with KD being out, it compounded that Dinwiddie injury because this is when Dinwiddie would take over the team. Not necessarily take over the team, you still got Kyrie there, but that second ball handler can get buckets. You know, He would up it for his, from 20 points a game up to 20, 27 points a game, 26 and now they don't have that, so now they have to lean on, you know, Karis LeVert. They, they got to decide, are we going to go small 
throw Jeff Green out there more often than we want or Torian Prince? Or are we just going to go big and throw Double Lob City with Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan? Another thing is if they do have to fix the schedule and play teams more back-to-back, obviously back-to-backs are a concern with older players or stars that they bench them back-to-back. Do you feel? Do we feel like the injuries might compile if you know, more players are playing back to back, or are records going to be more skewed? That's that's the one thing I'm more concerned about is how are the records going to play out? Because some of these races come down to the wire. You look at the West, and there's some teams that might be looking out. Yeah, like the Pelicans. You got the the Nuggets are currently out. The Pelicans are in. The Warriors are in. The Rockets are out. So those are kind of like the fringe teams that are going to be in that 7-8 and eight spot. And those are all contending teams that can compete in the West. Yeah, it's just it's a real bummer, man. It's a real thorn in the side because when we're talking about missing one or two games, I mean, that is the playoff picture in the West. Like you're saying, all these teams are going to be bunched up. And if one team doesn't get to play, and like you said, if, if they try to do these back-to-backs or games on top of each other then yeah injuries will definitely compound man there's there's been studies that that pretty much eliminated the back-to-back games in the last two years and to say that during a pandemic we're going to try to enforce back-to-back games after they've already kind of been scheduled out just based on recent data and recent analysis it just it seems totally counter to what the NBA is trying to do and they constantly champion themselves as the most progressive league so I just think they they are in a a world of questions and yeah like Brandon said I, I don't envy their position it's it's going to be difficult man I I just hope that we can get the best players to play as long as they can and it's just for me as a fan it's just frustrating how vague some of these news reports are you know we just see that they're going to be out for an undisclosed amount of time and it's like okay is that a game is that multiple weeks is you know it's just I don't know it's it's not great but we're still going to follow it we're still going to hope for the best yeah, I think one thing to keep in uh, mind is that uh, these records are going to be a little off coming playoff time. I think, you know, like we're going to see the Nets might lose a couple. And I think that is something like when at the end of the year, we're going to see the Nets might have a four or five seed and might kind of underestimate them. But we've also seen that home court advantage is not really a thing this year as they're so far 47 and 53 are the home teams which is pretty wild, and it's never really happened. So home court really might not be a thing. So, may, you know, at the end of the year, these teams that are four, five, six seeds, they might it really might not actually hurt them in the long run. Yeah, but the thing is, do you think fans are going to be allowed in the stadium come playoff time? Yeah, that, that's one thing we have no idea at this point. So that is, yeah. that's, that's definitely sure. what they want. I want it's to say there's, there's multiple teams that are already projecting to have fans in the stands, and I, I mean – I think the safest way would be it would only be fans who have had a vaccination and then I don't know how they verify that. And it's just, it's, I mean, all I can say is I I don't envy their position. And I mean, realistically, the two of the top teams in the LA teams, they're probably going to be the last ones to incorporate fans and they're obviously going to be in the playoffs. Yeah. That's LA's the hot spot of the pandemic right now, just to not be political, but it's just the reality, man, that, there's, I don't yeah. see games being played in LA in in this in this year. Yeah, to be honest. Yeah, and with playoffs, like how do you how do you make it equal? So you so some teams that you know the cities aren't such hot spots don't get the unfair playoff home advantage compared to cities that have higher surges like LA. 
that might not get a home playoff advantage that they're just playing in an empty stadium. So, I mean, that's all hypothetical. And I think on that note of not to get political, Joe, I think we should just close out the COVID yeah. segment yeah. and get on to some actual basketball. Hey, and when we're, fun times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some good times, some good times. But we're going to talk about some not so good times with uh, the East. We, we already talked about some of the woes that the Nets are going through, but... Thankfully for them to stay in the playoff picture, they're not the only ones. The Celtics, they got some decision makers. You know, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are both stars. But for me, when you have two stars and then you have Marcus Smart taking important shots, someone, one of those two stars has to step up and be like, hey, you got to give us the ball. Is that going to translate throughout the season or is it just kind of going to be like we're not sure what's going on are, are we great are we good yeah I just don't think the Celtics are that good you know like you look at their third guy and it's Marcus Smart who's great on defense but he thinks well, Kemba, he's great on Kemba. offense well Kemba's not there yet and they you, we'll see how he is and he, they're probably gonna ease him back in but like as of right now this team, after Jalen Brown and Tatum, they're literally not a good roster. Marcus Smart would be a solid piece, but he's, is, he thinks he's better than he is. He's constantly trying to take the last shot, and you, that's something you just can't do when you have these two guys on their team. Jalen Brown is playing like an all-star right now. I think this team could be good when they get Kemba, but I also think they, they might need to make a move to really compete with the upper echelon of the East. Yeah, it's if I was a Boston fan, it, it would be insanely frustrating because... They watched Marcus Smart from the beginning. He was considered someone that would not project at the pro level. They thought he was great in college, but can this dude become efficient? Can this dude shoot threes? And uh, to his credit, he's turned into a viable three-point shooter. But as we've all been saying, I mean, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are the future for this team. They're both averaging 20-plus points per game. They can both get their own shots, and they can also both play, make, and find others. So it's just... When you have those two options and then Marcus Smart is taking the last shot in a game, it's just, as a fan, I would lose my mind. And it, it, to me, it really comes down to Brad Stevens needs to step up and just tell Marcus, like, we love you. You are the vocal leader of this team, but what you're doing is outside of your role. Like, it, it worked when Jalen and Jason were still first-year, second-year guys, but they are better than him now. And <laughs> if he doesn't understand that, that's that's going to really impede – their success as a team. So if Brad Stevens or I like, I just can't think of another senior member on the team. Marcus Smart is the most senior member on that Celtics roster, I think. So if it's not Brad Stevens, it's it's not going to be Tatum or Brown just because they look to him as a leader and probably a mentor for them when they were younger in the league. So it's Brad Stevens call. And if he can't make the decision, they're, they're going to be in trouble. So we think that Marcus Smart is the problem for the Celtics. What, what would you guys propose the team do in terms of a viable trade to maybe just solve this problem. Do you guys have any ideas for who they could get if they were to trade out Marcus Smart? Marcus Smart for Gordon Hayward straight up. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> that's, that's a joke. You're, you're being serious. Are you, okay, okay. Uh, I'll, I'll shoot it to you, Abel. Do you have any like thoughts on a, a trade, or do you think a trade is not necessary? I mean, realistically, if you're if you're going to flip Marcus Smart, then you gotta dis, you got to decide – do you want to stick in that same mold or do you want to pretty much get a wash where you want a defensive player that can shoot the three every once in a while or do you want to translate it into an offensive player? For me, you got to keep the defensive player, but what defensive key players are there that are 
willingly going to be given to you. There's none. So what really you can get is someone that can excel in the offensive game. Someone like a Lou Will is someone that comes off the top of my head. But after that, it's there's not much unless you want to invest in a one-and-done deal like a, a Laurie Markkinen, which would be a, re- a really great upgrade for your front court. But that's also a risk. So it's just a weird funk right now where he has two years left on his contract. And I think for me, it's not necessarily like, should we flip him? It's more Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. They have to sit, and obviously Brad Stevens. They have to sit down with him and be like, look, we trust you as a player. We trust you def- your defensive ability. We trust your, your shot making. But there's times where we need to have the ball in our hands. That, that's what it comes down to because at this point, it's going to be hard to flip him. You know, he, you already know what he is, and there's just not too much, too much trade candidates around. Yeah, I'm of two minds about it. I, I agree with you that if they could come together as a unit, because, I mean, they, they do seem like a tight team. Like, they're, they're not the type of team that is considered dysfunctional or there's, there's always issues. Like, obviously, Marcus Smart is an emotional player. He's, he can be a hothead, but I think if they came to him with open arms until Marcus – Shoot quarters one to three, but in the fourth quarter, it's it's Jason and Jalen time. Maybe he would understand, but if he's not willing to do that, if he's going to just continue to think that he's the best player on the team, the trade that I really like, and this is really going back to in the bubble, they, their offense kind of got mucked up based on the fact that Kemba wasn't fully Kemba, and teams can game plan when Jason and Jalen are your only two offensive threats. So I would really like them to consider trading Marcus Smart to the Kings for Buddy Heald because he's instant offense. He's an excellent floor spacer. I mean, if he's on the wings waiting for passes from Jalen and Jason, he's going to be open consistently because at some point in every game, teams realize that they have to just focus on those two guys. And I mean, Buddy Heald's never played with two guys like that. So it seems like it would work out for both teams. I mean, Marcus Smart, He's one of those guys that could fit on any roster, so I think the Kings would appreciate having a veteran that plays defense on their team. And obviously their coach and Luke Walden has already had issues with Buddy, so he would be excited to ship him out. So I don't know. It's not like it's it's a, a done deal or something that is even talked about, but I just think he would be an immediate fit with the Celtics and something that could get their offense to where it should be. Yeah, I, I really do like this trade for both teams. I think you the Kings are clearly trying to – mold Halliburton into the next uh, starter for their team. I, I, I feel like that's going to leave Buddy Heald as like the odd man out. So I think Marcus Smart would f- fit perfectly as like that third guy, that sixth man that can kind of come in. Again, he'd have a sit- another situation where he'd have to kind of know his role. But uh, I, I think Buddy Heald for the Celtics would really help because, again, it doesn't make him like the guy, but it makes him you know a third or fourth option for that team that could really take the pressure off of Jalen Brown and Tatum. And as you said, the Buddy Hield has clearly made, you know, his voice heard that he doesn't really like the situation there. So getting him out and getting Marcus Martin in return wouldn't be a bad return for the Kings either. Yeah, but I mean, time will tell, and it'll be interesting once Kemba comes back. If you know, at that point with three heads to feed, maybe Marcus Smart will realize, all right, I got to take a step back. And I, honestly, I think if they just had the conversation, Marcus Smart would be like, yeah, you're right. Like, you guys are, you know, slightly better offensively. One yeah, would hope. he'll say that. One would hope, but <laughs> yeah. who the fuck knows, honestly. 
Hey, it's like you know, if if, if they came at him for defense, and all right, he would he would probably be pissed off. True, but, true. Now, I think you know he he has a valid point with it with uh, offense defense. We'll just see. I mean, Sacramento's kind of just in chaos right now. I don't know if you guys saw that Bagley's uh, dad wants wants to trade ASAP. Yeah, and De'Aaron Fox's dad, better known as Aaron Fox, mm-hmm. was like, "Let's get him out of here. I'm I'm with that. Let's trade him." <laughs> and obviously, you know, Buddy Heald and Luke Wan don't have the best relationship, so that team's just kind of in shambles. It, we'll see what they do. I mean, I would I would assume that they're probably thinking about making some moves while before Bagley stock just completely plummets. And I mean, while you still have Buddy Heald, that's Playing, not even in the rotation. What are you giving? What are you giving up for Bagley right now? Uh, no one's giving up anybody anything significant for Bagley at this point. Maybe Marcus Smart. They could probably convince him to take Marcus Smart. Uh, I'd rather just keep Marcus Smart at that point. It's just such a question mark because I'm trying to think of a, a high upside trade like this because uh, uh, he just hasn't shown anything to make me think that he's not going to be good. Other than he just can't stay on the court, like. If he was staying on the court and putting up terrible numbers, I would say, yeah, he's not worth an investment. But I just think he's a lottery pick. He's super athletic. There's there's a good player he's, in there. So. He's Jabari Parker. I mean, theoretically, nah. but Jabari Parker was also overweight for most of his career. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think I mean, Bagley's Bagley, more, more athletic for sure. Mobile, but, yeah. yeah. He's more mobile. I think you know he could actually move his feet a little bit better than Jabari. Jabari was... Playing in slow motion on defense half the time, and his, his shot is okay. I mean, there's a jump shot there. I don't know. I mean, people are down on him, but I mean, sometimes I mean, you just get drafted pick, to the wrong team. No, I know. I mean, the, the Kings are the Kings, though. I mean, let's be real, dude. There's there's not a worse location many guys can go to. I'm I mean, I'm struggling to think of a worse team. Fox, Halliburton, Buddy Heels, a lot of they got some solid young guys. I, okay, Halliburton came this year. Last year, he, I, I don't know, man. It, for me, the, the biggest thing is he just hasn't been healthy. So it's hard to judge someone that hasn't he been He hasn't healthy. been great when he's been healthy, though. Like, it's one thing if he at least looked good when he's healthy, but he hasn't looked good, really, when he's healthy anyways. Yeah, no, he, he's a stay away from me. I mean, un- unless you're getting, you're giving up nothing to get him, like we're all saying. He's, like, def- I, he's, I a, he's think- a, like, yeah, if I'm like you, the Markel Fultz package where you just, just right. they're just giving him away, I'll gladly take him. But I'm like that's it, what I said. I'm not gonna give up anything important to get him. Right. It, yeah, it's overall just a weird situation. Anytime dads are getting major news on a fucking NBA team, like there's there's clearly something going wrong. There's no there's no reason like the Kings should have a Lavar Ball situation where multiple dads are making decisions about how the team should be run. Yeah, especially on social media. Like I said, thankfully, they're not the only ones with woes. I'm thinking it might be panic time for the Raptors. They're in the bottom tier of the East, and we know the East is the bottom tier of the conferences. And it's just not looking pretty. I mean, you got Siakam, Van Fleet, we're both shooting under 40%. Nobody's scoring over 20 points a game. Your best bright spot is Boucher, who's fitting essentially another same mold of OG and Siakam with gritty defense and blocks. But... Is it time to blow it up? I mean, at some point you gotta you gotta blow it up, and you gotta realize that it's time to move on. Kyle Lowry, expiring contract. Is it time to move on from him? So the thing is, for one, I didn't have super high expectations for his team coming in, but 
the big thing is that this team is playing in Tampa Bay right now. And I think that's a pretty big deal when they're the Toronto Raptors. They're, I mean, they're they're deciding if they need to take their kids out of school. They're just living. I don't know where they're living in a hotel somewhere. Like they're playing every game is an away game. I just don't think that we're considering this enough as far as their uh, slow start to the season. You make a great point, Brandon. It's it's definitely not a storyline that anybody's talking about. Anybody's considering, but yeah, that that's a huge adjustment. And like you said, there's guys in the bubble that. We're honest about how being away from their homes really did affect them. So to imagine doing that for a whole season, I, I totally feel like you hit the nail on the head. They're just they're not in the same place that they would normally be mentally. And the biggest example of that is Pascal Siakam. He's he's shooting forty less than forty percent, I think. That's not efficient basketball for your power forward who's theoretically getting most of his buckets around the hoop and yeah, it's it's just looked weird, man. He's I mean, I, I we I watched the Celtics game last night and Peyton Pritchard is fucking going to the hole against them and making layups and it's just like that's the Siakam last year would block that shit into the backcourt, you know? So it's just I don't know if it's his confidence. I don't know if like Brandon's saying they're just they're all out of sorts by not being in Toronto anymore, but I mean, he he was even uh suspended for disciplinary reasons so clearly something is going on in that locker room and yeah I just think the way that this season has started it's it's in their best interest to consider blowing it up and just seeing what they could get I mean Masai is a great GM so to think about some of the assets that they have in Lowry I mean theoretically Siakam if this is who he's going to be I, I don't think that this is who he is but he's just played so bad it's just like how would you want to pay this guy 31 million next year if this is the player he is so it's not like they would get a great package for him but they got to look at what they can get at this point Lowry's an expiring so any team would want him if they're going for a playoff push and I I don't know there's there's a lot to consider with this team and when you start this bad it's anything's on the table yeah well I mean Dinwiddie just got a disabled like a, a disabled exemption by the Nets so that could even be someone that might be interested in Kyle Lowry because he would fit exactly what Dinwiddie did. Um, just, you know, good ball handler, good decision maker, savvy. So we'll see. I, I think they for sure, get, it, we'll see how it plays out in a little bit, but I think they have to start looking at least to trading Lowry and, I mean, developing Boucher and we'll see how they, uh, I mean, thankfully the OG deal wasn't too crazy, but it is an investment. I mean, they've made investments into Siakam, Van Vliet, and OG for the future. So now if you're going to keep that core... But like, uh, where does that get you, you know, if those are your well, best guys? Well, OG and that's Van why Vliet they, are pretty solid, if you ask me, as a shooting guard slash small forward, power forward. Like, There's there's definitely solid pieces, which, like, they, they proved it, you know, but, like, I think they still, like... If you know you're gonna need someone better than Siakam as your number one, I think Siakam's probably best as like a two or three guy, and Van Vliet and OG are best as you know filling out the roster. But they still they need that Kawhi guy that they're missing yeah. right now. So yeah, it, which, which goes back to you it's, uh, thinking that they're gonna trade for James Harden. It's dude, it's it's an option, man. I I don't know. I mean, I, at this point when you start this bad, it it seem, it would be very bold for them to go all in and add James Harden. You know, because obviously they would they would make the playoffs if they added James Harden, but they would still have to give up one of OG, one of Van Fleet, one of Siaka, maybe two of those three. And you're talking about a bad roster. You get rid of two of those three, and they're they're just gonna barely make it into the East. So I I don't know. I mean, it's a potential trade destination for Harden. It would definitely be a dark horse candidate, but 
I just think starting this bad, it, it, it would be – it's not what I would predict. So obviously there's some, there's some question marks around the league. One thing that isn't a question mark is the Lakers. At this point, they, they look consistent. Adding Marcus Hall might actually make Anthony Davis better in terms of being a passer. I know he was, he was raving about how much he likes playing with them, and it's increased his uh, passing ability. At this point, the West is really competitive, but – is it a, like a tier that the Lakers are above? Like, would you take the Lakers? Were you taking the Fields? You know, just how competitive can teams be with the Lakers in the West? So I think it goes Suns in their own tier, and then like a couple tiers down, you probably find the Lakers. In the <laughs> but besides that, there's not really anyone anyone else comp- competing with the Lakers. Yeah, I I think just the fact that they added. Two guys that are automatically just making the team better than what they previously were in Schroeder and Gasol. It was to us. I mean, I just felt like it was a given that they were going to be the one seed in the West, and so far that's how it's shaken out. I mean, the passing for Davis, it, it, it's just there's no way it could be worse because the only time he's played with a center like this was with Boogie in New Orleans, and that was when he had his most scoring. He he just had a career year because having a floor spacing big man is like you're unlocking Davis to an extra degree because obviously he's best as the five, but if he's with a floor spacing big man, then he doesn't have to do the dirty work as a five and he still gets the room to operate that like most centers in the NBA just could not cover. People will still be fearful of Marcus shot. Even if he's not hitting it, people will still contest it. So, and he's also just a high IQ guy. He's going to move the ball around a lot better than someone like JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard. No offense to them. I mean, they're obviously quality centers. They, they won them a championship, but Marcus Gasol was just a clear upgrade, and it's just like it, it was basically just the rich getting richer. They're they're the team to beat, in my opinion. I'm, I'm definitely taking the Lakers over the field, and the field in the West is competitive, so that's saying something to me. Yeah, well, uh, don't, uh, don't sleep on JaVale McGee's jump shot, all right? That jump <laughs> shot begs to differ. He's, he's looking hot from three. He's, he's, he's got a he's – got, He's having a nice little season for Cleveland, man. I watched him play a couple games, and he's he's still a rim protector. He jumps for every shot. He's like Hassan Whiteside. He can't stay on the ground, but he's huge, man. He's still going to protect the rim. He's still going to catch lobs. I mean, he he's someone that obviously brought a lot to the table for the Lakers last year, but when you could take the bad plays away from JaVale McGee and just only have someone that is constantly in the right position, constantly making the right passes in Marc Gasol, they're just a better team in my opinion. Yeah, I think the Lakers are clearly a tier above everyone else, including the East. I mean, I, right now, going into the season, you had Clippers, Bucks, and Nets that you thought might have been in that tier, but even, all three of those teams are looking pretty shaky. The Nuggets are really looking shaky right now. There's not really any team that's... I mean, the Sixers have actually been playing pretty well, but it's going to take a while before we give them the trust that we're just going to give the Lakers right now. I mean, the Magic, though, they're they're definitely climbing up there. <laughs> No fucking way. The Sixers are legit. I, I will definitely say the Sixers adding two shooters to a roster that literally had no shooting has really made the difference right now. I mean, it wasn't hard to predict, but they've just opened up the floor for Joe and Ben to operate. And they're two extremely unguardable guys when they have floor spacing. So uh, they seem legit. I, I'm willing to trust that they're going to come out as like a top three team in the East. And we'll finally get to see if Joel and Ben can actually get to the championship yeah i mean they're looking like the most complete team in terms of just putting it already putting it together i mean those those players with seth and danny green 
they've been around the league. They, you know, their organization guys. I mean, obviously, Seth's coming from a basketball family, and Danny Green's been around for ages. You know, probably before any of us were born playing in the NBA. So just getting those, it's like you're not really changing the team. You're just you already have the chemistry, and you're just adding just more glue to to the to it. So I mean, the only other in the East, the only other team that can maybe compete in terms of challenging the Lakers in the finals, you know, the Pacers are looking good, and then obviously the Heat and the Nets. If the Nets end up being healthy with Durant, you can never count them out. But I mean, the Pacers, yeah, the the Pacers looked really good. Sabonis fouled out against the Pelicans, and they were still able to to pull out the last game in overtime. Brogdon is honestly they came back down like eight. With like a couple minutes left. Yeah, I mean the Pelicans did choke a little bit. You know they were up, they were up three with like fifty nine seconds left, and had the ball, and they turned it over. And Miles Turner looks like he's he's getting a little better that uh, Steph Curry, where he's he's listening to all the critics, and he's finally having a baller season. And Brogdon is looking like the player that the Bucks desperately need, and reached a little bit lie. for the Pelicans. I was surprised to see Brogdon. Take that last shot. I was worried, but he ended up making it. I thought I would have gave it to Oladipo, but I guess you know it's a good problem to have when you have multiple guys to take that last shot. Sabonis hit a game winner a couple weeks ago. Yeah, they're just a complete team. Yeah, Miles Turner hit the game tying one to send it into overtime. So they just got players that make shots. They're not afraid of the moment. You got when you have four players that aren't afraid of the moment can drain a shot like it's nothing in clutch moments. That, that's like you said. That's a good yeah, problem to have. It might actually be a better thing. Yeah, it might actually be good that they don't have. They're just funneling their team, their offense through one player. Like literally any starter they have could just hit that shot. Like you said. Yeah. Well, it's like the opposite of what the of what the Celtics have. You know, the Celtics have the opposite of that, where you don't want just random players hitting those shots. You want it in Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown's hands. Slightly preferred to Jason Tatum, whereas the Pacers. You know they, they anybody could shoot it. Anyone is deadly, especially in crunch time, because they all have fluid shots that are consistent. Especially Miles Turner and Sabonis, you know, getting the the consistent range. That's that's a huge difference maker. I mean, what I would say is the biggest underrated storyline for this team was letting go of Nate McMillan when they first fired him. I was kind of like, how are you going to do that to someone who has brought this team out of mediocrity after the Paul George trade? They've made the playoffs, I want to say, two or three years in a row now. They play good defense. But then everything that has come out this season is that the players love this new guy. Nate, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. It's something in German. But they really like this guy. They think that he is a much superior offensive coach. And I don't know. I mean, it, it showed so far, drawing up game-winning plays. Sort of a Dwayne Casey situation? A little bit, man, because it's it's a lot similar. You know, Casey was known as a good defensive coach. and He won, he won coach of the year. That he won year. coach of the <laughs> year. Fired. And then he gets fired for – and obviously replaced by an offensive-minded guy and – Nick Nurse and that team wins a championship the next year. I'm not predicting that for the Pacers, but just hearing the way these guys talk about this coach after each game, it's it's almost night and day in terms of how they compared name McMillan. It's not like they would trash McMillan by any means, but they they nowhere near produce the same amount of praise for McMillan as they are for this new coach. So I think making that change has been the subtlest tweak that. No one really talked about, if anything, people questioned firing a good coach like McMillan. But right now, the first three weeks into the season, it, it seems like it was a great call by that front office. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting, too, because this is the last year of Oladipo's contract. And if he keeps playing the way he's playing, it, you, you guys think, is he worth the max? And if you, obviously, if he's worth the max... I mean, he's going to get the max. He, he wants yeah. it. If, I, it's a, he's going to get it. It's a matter of if the Pacers give it to him or if someone else is. Yeah, yeah that's I don't what think I'm saying. he's worth it. Personally, do you guys think he's you worth don't? it? I, I do not, only because he's only done that MVP type of play one year. So it's kind of like, I don't know, man. I mean, it, it was like a year and a half, and then he got hurt, and then he's... Was it a year and a half? Trying to keep, I'm pretty sure it was only I mean, one he got year. Hurt, like, before he got hurt. No, I mean, he, before he, he got, got hurt he early. Got hurt halfway through the second year, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. I mean, yeah. And I mean, he, I think... He was great. I'm not would you rather have him or Kemba, Kemba on your team right now? Oh, I mean, unquestionably, I'm taking Oladipo. Kemba can't play defense, so... That's what I'm saying is, like, he could play offense pretty well on top of... I mean, like, I'd rather have him than, like, CJ at this point. CJ's probably better offensively, but... Yeah. Well, Oladipo could be defensively on top of what he is offensively, but, I think. But the two guys... He's someone I definitely would want on my team. He's not the number one, but I think... That's what I'm saying. Number two... And for your number one guy, like, that's who gets the max slot. I don't know, man. I, I, in I terms mean, of team building, it's really hard to have multiple max guys. I think he's worth guys. having one... He's worth one of my max slot guys for sure. I, I don't disagree. I would only say it's just a tough pill to swallow being in a smaller market and then committing that much to someone who has an injury history at this point. I mean, obviously it seemed like the one that he had was a fluke. It wasn't like it was like a consistent thing, but it's concerning. You know, you don't want to pay someone. He's he's close to 30 at this point. He's His prime is probably only the next two years. So to invest in someone like that with a max contract, it's dicey, but – yeah, I mean, also, like I said, being in a small market, they're not going to get that many options for great players. So you're right. I think, in all honesty, it's in their best interest to lock up someone of his caliber. I mean, or they have to trade him before this year because they're just going to get let him go for nothing. I think that would be – it's really going to set them back. Yeah, no, they're not doing that. At least might as well try to keep the asset and trade him next year. Right. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think the emergence of Brogdon – Makes it a talking point. If Brogdon mm-hmm. wasn't as good, not wasn't as playing as good as he is, I think it's a pretty clear extension. But the fact that Brogdon's there, they're both twenty eight. So I mean, that's the thing is that you have Brogdon on a twenty million dollar a year contract. You have Sabonis on that's making like twenty million dollars a year. Both those guys, I think, are getting underpaid. You have got both those guys on they value, are. yeah, like, contracts. So yeah. I think like, but you have control for like three years. The opportunity. Exactly. Both those guys have like three more years on a deal, so I think you have that. They actually have the opportunity to slightly overpay, which I don't even think would be an overpay, but I think they could give Old Depot the max, and I don't think it would actually hurt them because they have everyone else locked up. Yeah, and I mean, I, I I don't know. I don't even know if this free agency class Old Depot might actually be the best free agent in this upcoming Why? class. It's up to it's it's basically up to Kawhi if he takes his player option or not. He probably will, even if he wins the championship or not. I think if he, I could see him opting out and just resigning, resigning the Maximo. Yeah, but that, is that even a free agent at that point? It's just it's it, that yeah. Really I, I mean, I there's a chance he doesn't stay with the Clippers though. That's a hundred percent a chance. It's it's a possibility. Kawhi is the least predictable superstar we've had in modern history, in my opinion. But the fact that he's from LA at the time that he got traded to the Raptors, there was all this speculation about how he hates cold weather and it wasn't going to work and yada, yada, yada. I I just think he's comfortable in LA. He seems to be a a man of simple means. I think he probably would just stay put. This team though, you think this team going forward, like if he signs a five year supermax, is this team, how's this team going to look over the next five years with no, no first round picks? Not great. No, no assets to Lou Will is 
on the other side of 30, he's declining. They literally have no other players besides Paul George and Kawhi. I don't think it would be the the best basketball move to re-sign long-term to, with the Clippers. It's true. I, on some level, Kawhi seems like the type of guy that literally just wouldn't give a shit. He's already won two championships. He's he's kind of done his thing, and maybe he's just like – he's he, he's definitely an ultra competitor, so he could just maybe think like, fuck whatever teammates I have, like I'm still going to try to lead – this team because this is where i'm yeah. happy yeah and that's his hometown team too so that's right. that's another thing i i really don't see I him mean, and do you're, you did you did you not realize that he forced the clippers to trade seven first round picks and shay gillis alexander for paul george that wasn't just i'm just gonna lead this team he said you guys aren't good enough for me get paul george and like i could see him realizing paul george is not good enough for me let me go somewhere else. I think you're probably It's incredibly right, selfish, though, to do that and then be like, yeah, you guys fucked up because I mean, you did what I told you to do. Like, LeBron, that's LeBron left the Cavs in a pretty bad spot with a max contract to like Tristan Thompson and everyone else. Like, Yeah, but he, I mean, that's just he what earned that right. Do. He earned that right. Like, I, I'll, I mean, Kawhi did, too, after what he did with the Raptors. I think the, the I mean, Clippers it, took a chance. Yeah, the Clippers definitely just Mar- did Mortgaging what he said. their whole future. Like, I don't think Kawhi owes the Clippers anything. It would be a dirty move, but I'm not ruling it out. I mean, it's not necessarily that he owes them, but, yeah, it's just kind of, like, integrity-wise, like, you're kind of a shithead if you're, like, do all this, do that, and then in two years you're gone. Like, I don't know, man. It's I, I mean, it's more the, of the a— The front office made the moves, and if it doesn't work out, like, I mean, you know, yeah, Kawhi could just leave. Like, he did it purposely knowing he has the opt-out. Like, you know, like, right. this is part of the plan. yeah. But I mean, moral of the story is, you know, like if Kawhi, let's say, assume it's, it's in my opinion, a little more likely that Kawhi stays. Let's assume he stays. After yeah, that, it drops off. Sig- that favor. Yeah. yeah, it drops off significantly. Mon- I mean, money's got- on him staying. Money's on him staying, yeah. but I think there's definitely a chance that he he could go somewhere else. Yeah, but overall, it's uh, Oladipo and that's it. Like you got Mike Conley, LaMarcus Allridge. It's all guys, you know, on the yeah. back end of the men. Andre Drummond. Drew, Drew has a player option, but you got to assume that he's going to. Yeah. Either accept that player option or just resign. He's a loyalty mm-hmm. guy. I think he'll do whatever Giannis tells him. I feel like he's just the type of dude who's. He's not, he's probably it's gonna be tough for him to go to a better situation. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was about to say. What would you even yeah. upgrade to? You know, you already have one of the best players. Right. Yeah, but um. John Collins, I I think is gonna be the most interesting. John Collins would be the most what interesting. Do you, what do you do with the, if and what, what do you what do you do if you're Atlanta? Do you even resign him? You I try, feel like Atlanta sure. probably. I don't think they even need to try. Honestly, they, he doesn't fit their mold. You know, they're they're a running gun team with like spacing, and he he doesn't shoot. But he's dude. He's a he's definitely a running gun player. Like I don't. He spaces the yeah. floor. He catches. He lots, spaces like, the floor down low though. He, he's not shooting like threes. He's shoot shooting mid range jump shots. Bro, he shot like forty percent from three last year. He's a good shooter. I'm sorry, but you. he's not like he's not doing face up threes. It's like catch and shoot. Well, yeah, but that's, I mean, that's kind of his thing. He's not, I just think he has, he has a good chemistry with Trey to the point that you run the risk of pissing off Trey if you don't re-sign someone like that, because he's the only guy that's been with Trey from Trey's start of his career. So it's, I think if, obviously there's going to be someone who's going to give him an offer and then the the Hawks probably walk away, but I think they have to try. I, I don't think they just let him walk. I think. That's the thing. I think they're, teams are going to well, overpay. What did he get? They're gonna I think someone's going to give him a max. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He might get the max. I don't know him. about max. That's I think a bad deal. At least get 25. Yeah. If he gets the max, that's a bad deal. But yeah, 25 mil is probably the most realistic. It's And that's a lot of money to pay someone who can't play defense. Let's be real. He's, he's just too undersized to guard 
centers, and they they would say that he probably isn't fast enough to guard power forward. So he he's he's a weird player in that he's very athletic, but it just does not translate on the defensive side. Yeah, but it would be interesting. I mean, we'll see who ends up overpaying for him. It's it's a it's going to be a weird market. Well, I mean, realistically, it'll really come down to Oladipo and probably John Collins and Kawhi because after that, there's going to be some drop off of talent, and it might just be invest in the draft and wait out one more year to you know get some guys later. Right. But some, yeah, I mean, another thing that I kind of wanted to touch on was things, how things have changed compared to last season. We got John Wall. He's revitalized his career. We already talked a little bit about JaVale McGee's three-point shooting. We talked a little bit about Miles Turner taking that leap into being a really, really good defensive and offensive, a consistent player because that was his big thing is he wasn't consistent. You know, we, we always saw the potential. And the biggest one for me is the Suns starting to win some close games. Most of their games have been close this year. And one of their biggest faults was they would be competitive and then they would end up losing in the fo- losing the fourth quarter, which is the quarter you need if you're going to take that leap. Why do you guys think they're winning these close games? Is it just the Chris Paul effect? Is it something else? I mean, it's definitely Chris Paul. I mean, just he just gives everyone just confidence in themselves, you know, just having a leader out there telling you where to go, what to do. It definitely makes everyone on the floor it's, better. It's Chris Paul, and it's the continued development of McCall Bridges and uh, Cam Johnson because when those dudes are spacing the floor, Devin Booker has plenty of room to work in the mid-range. He's obviously a mid-range killer, and it also opens up the floor for DeAndre Aiden, who's a little bit of an old-school center. I mean, he's he's he can shoot. I don't think they want him necessarily spacing the floor, but just having two wings like that, and they, and they can also defend too. So it's just like they have one of the best rosters that I don't think a lot of people saw coming. It's just it the the obvious thing, like we're saying, is Chris Paul. But the development of those two wings is is the real story to me because I think we were saying that Devin Booker hasn't even played as good as he has in previous years. So they're doing this without Devin Booker going off. So just imagine when he returns to form and is putting up like 25 a night like they might be unstoppable <laughs> but it just seems like he just doesn't really need to do that at this point like you said mikhail bridges has really turned into a, a consistent offensive player cam johnson has had some nice games like everyone on this team has really just stepped their game up to where he might not need to be that james harden usage you know give me the ball every single possession type of player no he he won't but at the same time like you're only going to go as far as your best player will take you. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, I'm in, the, saying, in the crunch time. In the crunch yes, time, for sure. Yes. So when that when he's like Devin Booker crunch time, then look out, man. This this team will definitely test the Lakers for the best team. Yeah, and it's been, the, yeah, it's been the – Yeah, it's been – I think you guys hit it on the head with McCall Bridges and Cam Johnson and turnovers. You know, one of the big things is they would get turnovers on bunches and they would turn themselves out of games. McCall Bridges has I mean, one turnover this year. Yeah. One turnover yeah, this year, McCall Bridges. Bridges you that's could tell insane. just being from Villanova, being like yep. playing multiple years in college, like he just was, he is a high IQ player. He's just ready to play like as yeah. soon as he's got in the league. And just Chris Paul obviously is going to help that in that category as well. Every team, yeah. He's, he's just a floor raiser. He's not going to win you the title, but if you have a mediocre team, he's going to make them a good one. Yeah, I mean, they got minimal turnovers. McCall Bridges, Cam Johnson's got three. You know, Aiton has six. Obviously, Devin Booker is going to have, and Chris Paul are going to have more because they're handling the ball more often. But Jay Crowder, too. They're role players. 
they just are taking that leap in terms of basketball IQ and Darn realizing Sarge too. Yeah. Yeah. They're and role Sarge, they're role yeah. Yeah. And, but they're taking the leap to being like, you know what? Like we, we, we have to let the game come to us. We have to make teams beat us instead of us trying to beat teams. Because when you try to get out of control with making plays, that's when you make turnovers and that's when you put yourself out of games. So that's that's huge, and I mean that's why in my like you guys said that they're they're in that tier with the Clippers right below the Lakers, and as the season progresses and they get more comfortable with each other, you know Aiton continues to take that step, Devin Booker evens out in terms of his previous stats on an elite level. Mm-hmm. They might be the ones to contend with the Lakers and take that take that take that series to seven. My my biggest problem though is they they just don't have an ans- an answer for Anthony Davis because who on this roster could theoretically match Anthony Davis like yeah maybe I mean Cam Johnson but the, you're yeah, giving you'd up have, a lot of size yeah no, no, let's let's get real here there's no way Cam Johnson is no no, no Cam Johnson I, and is I'm not saying I'm not saying he's a lockdown defender but uh, he's he's got the length I mean he's definitely got a seven foot wingspan he's six eight like he's gonna try but yeah. I, that's why it's like in the regular season. I think it's it's totally going to be a race, but in the playoffs, there's still there's still one guy away, in my opinion. It's it's a big man league when it comes down to like the best teams. Every every best team has a great big man right now. It's 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 weird that it's turned out that way, but in my opinion, that's what it is. So they're missing that yeah. one guy. Yeah, or maybe really just the Lakers. Uh, Jokic. Yeah, Giannis. but like I think you could beat low, the Nuggets like without necessarily stopping Jokic. I don't like. Yeah, I think the Lakers. You do need to stop Anthony Davis if you want to beat them. Yeah, no. I mean, maybe that's why they drafted Jalen Smith just for that defensive shutdown. True. True. He's a yeah, he, I mean, he was a lottery pick, and he. he I mean, it's all that's what he does is he plays defense. But obviously, he's more of like a like a three point shooter. It seemed like they drafted him more to be like a floor spacer. He he plays really good on the ball defense in college. Obviously, we haven't seen enough of him to see how it'll translate. And I mean, Jay Crowder is never a bad player. You can pretty much match him on whatever. I mean, but Jay, it's, Jay Crowder definitely has helped this team too, as well. I think yeah. defense and just yep. toughness overall. He's a yeah, great so regular that. season player. That's that's the only problem. Like this is a great regular season team. That's that's kind of how I would put it. I think they're very good regular season team. Yeah, I mean it's it's early. There's going to be some growing pains, but to be this early, looking this good, it, it looks really promising and. Obviously, someone has to try to compete with the Lakers. We're not saying it's going to happen, but they, you know, we we like to think that it's going to be a little more competitive in the West than just the Lakers rolling over everyone or the right. Clippers actually putting it together and Kawhi and Paul George just going off. Mm-hmm. So the Suns might be it. We'll see how the Nuggets turn it around. I mean, Jokic is on that. I know Brandon they have said no this. Defense. Yeah, he's on that Westbrook path right now. We're just throwing up triple dubs. And not translating into wins. So yeah, you, you really got to question what their front office was thinking because they built a pretty damn good roster, and then they let two of their better defenders walk for nothing. In Jeremy Grant, Jeremy Grant is having a great year too with the Pistons. Yeah, I mean he's a good player. It's it's weird that he chose to go to Detroit. Like he, I'm, I mean, he, he wanted offer. to be the guy. No, I know. Like he was gonna. I agree, but be come on, bro. The roster. Pistons are going nowhere though, so it's kind of just like. He definitely went for stats and potential at, I don't know, being an all-star over team success. So 
more power to him. I mean, everybody deserves to get paid and earn their worth, but it's just like, yeah, to lose him and then Tory Craig too, who obviously isn't going to be someone that everybody knows and thinks is a great player, but he was a good defender and he was their guy that would guard LeBron, guard Kawhi, guard elite small forwards. And now that is given to either Michael Porter Jr., who we all know is like amazing offensively. But when it comes to defense, man, the dude is about as stiff as a board. He does not know how to get in a stance. Everybody blows by him. It's it's troubling to watch. I, I don't know how he's so good offensively, so athletic offensively, and then on the defensive end, he's he looks like a fucking newborn out there. And then outside of him, it's Will Barton, who has always been amazing in terms of offense as well. He's not amazing, but he, he can get buckets. And he's, once again, just someone that can't guard small forwards. So they're they're definitely in a hole there. That's that's the toughest position to guard in the NBA outside of point guard, and they're, they're fucked until they figure out something for that. And the complete decline of Gary Harris is big. It's kind of sad, honestly, because I, I thought Gary Harris was going to be a really good pro, and he's yeah. been a pretty I mean, this consistent is like a pro. Few years, this has been a few years in a row, though. I think he got yeah. hurt like a couple years ago, and he just hasn't really been the same since. That's what they said. Yeah. I guess last year he was recovering pretty much the whole season. He he showed up in the bubble defensively, but yeah, if if you can't shoot, he's he's just another guy who's one-sided, and they're not going to win if he's just out there playing defense but is no threat to score. Yeah, I mean, shooting 35%. Averaging seven, a little under eight points a game. It's just not a good look, and he's honestly he's the one that needs to pick it up. He's he's he's, it's Jamal Murray, it's Jokic, Michael Porter, and then after that, Gary Harris is the one that has to be there, especially defensively. Yep. Which he will be there defensively, but it's just he has to he has I to mean, take it to the next he's level. Your be- like he's literally the only guy that could play defense on this team, though. So that's why. And he's undersized too. To a, he's not need to make a move. Yeah, at six six, he he can like stay in front of some small forwards. But if we're talking Kawhi, KD, LeBron, the best small forwards in the league, they can still get their shots over him. So they they're in a hole there. But we'll see. I mean, it's still early. Jokic might single handedly take him to the playoffs. Yeah, and we we trust in Jokic on this podcast. Yeah. We're we're a hundred percent a pro Jokic podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, is if you're a fringe playoff team, or is he even in contention for for an MVP? No, no. Yeah, that's why. So yeah, I mean, but he I is think Russ, having a great year so far. Russ he's averaging it. twelve assists a game. That is the most insane stat I've ever seen. In my that's life. fucking awesome. When when Russ run it, I want to say they were like the six seed. Yeah, they were six. I'm pretty sure. So like that's and that was like the first time we've ever seen a triple double in the modern yeah, era. Yeah. So yeah. It's like, now that we're used to it, I don't think maybe the fact that Jokic is a big man. It might you know make some voters a little. It's a storyline. Yeah, they love the storyline, but. I mean, to, to just become a worse team and then for him to win the MVP, that I don't know how no. they could square that. Yeah, I, I would really like to see it, obviously. I think to to have a, a big man win MVP, when's the last time that's happened? I couldn't even – can you guys think of it? I don't know, Hakeem? Yeah, or like has Dunk, did Duncan ever win an MVP? Yeah, definitely Duncan. All right, then yeah. I feel like uh, Shaq yeah. might have won it, but I don't know how long ago. Yeah, I, I would probably say it was Duncan. So to, to have – Another big man win it, that would be pretty cool. So, yeah, I, I want to see it happen. But, yeah, until they figure out this rotation because they're just in a weird spot, man. To lose some of the games that they lost, to lose two games to the Kings, as we all kind of trashed the Kings at the beginning of this podcast, it's just – it's weird, man. It's You would think with a good coach like Malone they would have figured some of these kinks out, but they're they're definitely going to be tinkering for most of the season. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And, and actually the last one to win it. Was Kevin Garnett, if you consider him, and before any yeah. Duncan won it right before. You're right. 
KG would have been the last big man. So yeah, I mean, he's he's not as defensively effective as KG, but I mean, offensively, it's or Dirk or Dirk. Yeah, no, Dirk, Dirk, Dirk is actually way counts. more closer to Jokic's Dirk profile. Counts. So yeah, that would it'd be cool. I mean, Dirk is one of the most fun players in the league, and yeah, Jokic would definitely fit that mold. So. They, they they just need to figure it out. They need to start winning some games here. Otherwise, yeah, I, I don't think it's a possibility. Yeah, well, the good thing for them is they have been facing some of the top teams, right? So it's not like it's not like you know the Raptors where they're losing to some of the teams that we don't really expect them to be good, right? And that's a wrap, boys. Thank you for tuning in. You know, thank you for the takes. Thank you for the edits, Brandon. Yes, sir. And I'll catch you guys on the next one.